Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The fashion industry is one of the largest polluters in the world, and it is more than the total of aviation and the maritime industries combined. So this is big stuff and all of us wear clothes. So all of us are part of this waste problem and solution. So in 2013, we had the very devastating Rana Plaza factory fire in Bangladesh. And that really has been the sort of point at which fashion revolution started and there's this whole movement towards, look, we are responsible and we've got to stop this from happening. 1,134 people died in that factory fire. And that's only one of many disasters that happen that we don't hear about. Australians buy an average of 27 kilos of new textiles every year. So that's not just clothing, it's also other textiles, of which we send 23 kilos to landfill. 85% goes to landfill. So we're doing this, we're all doing this. And two-thirds of the discarded textiles are synthetic, plastic, man-made. So that's the issue with, you know, the plastic pollution, the microfibers going into our water systems. So we really, really encourage you to purchase natural fiber and to wear natural fiber. G'day, guys. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Glenn. Hey, Ange. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Glenn. Great to meet you. Likewise. Now, we do have Ange Fung, who's one of the three founders of High Tea with Mrs. Wu. But before we get into this exciting episode, Laura, I've got a question for you. <laughs> yes. Do you know where your super is? Actually, no, I actually don't. <laughs> I need to talk to you about this, well, actually. Don't talk to me. You might be able to consider Sun Super. Oh, that was a good segue. That was a like, great <laughs> segue. <laughs> I didn't see where that was yeah, going. I, you I go. thought you just knew yeah. it was on my list. So, this whole podcast would not be possible without our show partner, Sun Super. So, I wanted to just highlight one of the investment funds that Sun Super have, which, full disclosure, I have my money with this fund. It's called the Socially Conscious Balanced Investment Option, which sounds pretty good, doesn't sounds it? Sounds pretty good. And ask me, Laura, what's it got in it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, what's it got in it? Yes. <laughs> what's it got in it, Glenn? Well, Tell me. so interesting. So, what they do, because it's socially conscious, they screen all the investments within the fund, right? Now, any company that has over 5% of their revenue exposed to porn, alcohol, armaments, tobacco, live animal exports, gambling, you know, all the good stuff, that was a joke, they actually do not invest in those companies. Sweet. Now, you might say, why can't it be 100%? Well, they'd probably end up with nothing to invest in because different companies, I'm going on a tangent here, different companies might have a very, very, very minor shareholding in another company that's trying to change, which means by default, there could be some little rats and mice sneaking in. Basically, it's just they're very conscious with what they put their money in. So, they just screen everything. So, Laura, if you started a company tomorrow Mm -hmm. and you have poker machines, you sell 
Siggy's and nuclear weapons. <laughs> yeah. Sun Super's socially conscious balance fund are not giving you any money to, uh, to invest in you. Damn it. Now, <laughs> interestingly enough, everybody's thinking, and Ange, can you ask me? Yes. But what about fossil fuel? Yes, what do you bought about fossil fuels? What about that? Well, in addition to those exclusions, most fossil fuel producers will now be excluded in the fund as well. Wow. So this very interesting. So That's a good step forward. So there you go. If you want more information, head to sunsuper.com.au and Laura sort your bloody super out. <laughs> I need to actually ASAP. In today's episode, we're doing Slow Fashion Part 2. We speak with Ange Fung, one of the three founders of High Tea with Mrs. Wu. High Tea with Mrs. Wu is the creative collaboration of sisters Rowena, Juliana and Angela Fung. They design and manufacture their clothing range in-house with a flagship retail store in the city of Newcastle, established in 2004. You can check them out on Instagram at High Tea with Mrs. Wu and their online store complements their flagship store on Derby Street in Newcastle. But if you're not in Newcastle, they also have stockers in New South Wales, ACT, Victoria, Tasmania, and Queensland. Ange, thanks for being with us today. Cool, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Do you remember maybe like over a year ago, I did message you yes. to try and get you on the podcast, yes. but because my life's a mess, it just never happened. And that's why I've got Jess who's here with us today. Hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jess, our lovely producer's with us today. And Laura, thank you also for joining us. My pleasure. It's good to be here. Yeah, so all that to say, we finally got Ange. Yeah. So yes, cool. I'm so excited. It's going to so be excited. so much fun. Yeah, it's re- and it's a great topic of conversation and it's really relevant right now. Totally. And we are recording in Laura's apartment because someone Thanks, didn't Laura. book a room probably or something, but <laughs> yeah. whatever. Sorry, I don't know who that was. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And John isn't here because he's away and I wanted to get a woman's perspective for this topic as well. Yeah. Perfect. So and also, I, I love Ange, so that's why. I know, we've had some great chats. I know, I'm yeah. stoked, I'm stoked. So, tell us, from a, a simplistic point of view, your small business, it's a family business? Yes, it's so myself t- and my two sisters. So, how did it come about? Well, you probably wouldn't guess it, but we are now 19 years in business. Wow. Yeah, so I started when I was 18, wow. and my sisters were 20 and 22. Wow. Yeah, so we've been in it for a long time, and kind of just stumbled into it like we were at university it was just for fun mm-hmm. we took over a little op shop and after a couple of years realized that we you know weren't making any money or and we couldn't pay our rent and then we, we would all but we had been learning how to sew since we were very little because we're migrants from malaysia and so sewing was a way to have clothes like our parents were like if you want new clothes you're gonna have to make it yourself because we can't afford it wow. so that's how we learned had a sew and then we've made clothes since we were really little and while we are talking what's your instagram so people can open instagram and look while they listen to this interview awesome it's high tea with mrs Wu. awesome so who's mrs Wu? mrs Wu is our muse it's not our family surname obviously we're fung she's like a lady that represents a whole bunch of like strong pretty quirky ladies in our family like our aunties and our grandmas and our mum, of course and aunties meaning not necessarily related to us it's like in malaysia it's just your parents friends all of them are aunties and all of them are uncles and we had this thing in malaysia where when we were little we used to go to the really fancy hotels on a for a special occasion because it was british colonized and we'd go and have high tea and that's where the name comes from because our experience of that is going to this beautiful place getting dressed up and then having you know high tea with our 
aunts and with our family and friends and it was a fusion. So it was like scones and sandwiches, dumplings and nyonya kueis and all this other delicious food. So it was like this melding of two worlds and that's what we felt like when we came to Australia. Wow. That is so cool. It's a great memory. That's amazing. And working with your sisters, I've got three sisters and a younger brother. How do you go working with three sisters? I can't believe you guys have been doing it for 19 years. Can you imagine working with your family? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, I can because I have. <laughs> we were in a family band. Oh, yeah, of course. We were That's in a family right. band. band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Of it. Yep. Shout out the Soolies. Shout yes. out to the Soolies. How did you go? Like, how does that all work? It's pretty tough. Like, at the beginning, we fought a lot, like right. heaps. And our parents said to us, they were not keen on the idea of us going into business together. And so young, they kind of said, look, you have to just make one promise. And it's if it gets to a point where you have so many battles, it's going to be family over business. The business has to go. Yeah. So we promised our parents that. And so we knew that we'd had to work on it. So we used to have these fights about money because that's a really big thing and decisions about, you know, what to make, what fabrics to buy, all these things. But we called in a friend who's a lawyer and he just mediated. He just said, look, I'll sit with you once a week and we'll have dinner. You guys cook and we'll chat. And we did that for a year and that was amazing. So... Because I want to ask some more questions about the business end, I guess, to give everybody uh, some ease. The way that Captain Glenn's going to try and steer this ship is, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about the small business, how we work. We'll move into maybe some broader issues in fashion yep. in Australia and perhaps around the world. Then we'll move into what exactly you're doing. And then you've brought with you a beautiful rack of clothes and you're going to talk us through some garments. We're going to get Jess to film it. We'll put the video up on IG awesome. and bring everyone in on this little pony that we are riding. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> now, so Rowena and Juliana, your other sisters, yes. what roles are we doing in the business each? So now that we've kind of settled into our roles, which has really helped us become more productive. So Ro is our pretty much our social media marketing queen. She's also just a really great writer. So if you, if you read our post, she's, she takes a lot of time. She's very considerate. And she puts all of those ideas out to the world. All the things that we're thinking, which we're constantly having conversations about everything from fabric to what's happening in politics to the environment to basic human needs. So she's really great at doing all that. She also you know, does some pattern making as well because we all do design and pattern making. And Jules, she's like the pattern making queen. So she really understands people's bodies. She's really has a really great eye and a really great understanding of shape and fit and form. So she does most of the designing and she's also in production. So same with me, we sew. So this is not like a, a business where we send it overseas or even send it to a factory. We still do the designing, the grading, so making the sizing, the pattern making, the sewing, the cutting, the whole lot. And your role, like are you kind of, you know, obviously you're the media spokesperson. <laughs> I am now. <laughs> What are you like? What are you doing day to day? Like, are you spending a lot of your time physically sewing, or you're out there doing business development and sales? Most of my time at the moment is mainly cutting. So more than sewing, I do cutting and organising. So I'll be talking to suppliers, making connections, you know, travelling to Sydney, that kind of stuff. But probably more, it's it all happens in my head. So I studied commerce and economics at Newcastle University. So my head operates like numbers. I really love spreadsheets. Like 
really yeah, love same. spreadsheets. Yeah. Love good spreadsheets. Oh my gosh, it makes all the difference. And organizing stuff. So it's probably like heaps of thinking. So late night, I'm just always thinking about crazy ideas. Mm. And I tell my sisters and they shake their head. Yeah. And say, like, let's just do it anyway. And tell me to get stuff. It's none of my business, but the business structure. Yes. What is the business structure? So, we are actually a, a trust. So, we have a trustee company. Yes. And then we run as a, a little family trust. Sweet. Yeah. And that just worked really well for us all the way because we were a partnership before. Yeah, great. And just for protection and all that stuff. Yeah. So, we're not going to get in the weeds of business structures in this episode, but if you want to head back to episode 257, we talk about small business structures and partnerships and when they're somewhat limited and I, I guess that's what happened with you guys it was getting a bit limiting that's right there's also a bonus episode coming specifically on trusts so awesome. look out for that as well so that's good that you've got the structure set up yeah absolutely it makes sense for us too because we're family yeah so the family trust worked yeah and what are your um extended families in do you have spouses partners are there 50 kids running around the like what's the family situation just so i can get yeah. some idea around the, the trust setup yeah it's pretty pretty busy each of us have partners and kids so amongst the three sisters so we have our mum and dad here only the rest of our you know families in malaysia then there's the three of us and we don't have any brothers so just the three sisters partners and we all have kids a total of six kids amongst yeah, wow. the three families so it's yeah it's great because there's also longevity in that in that structure totally and just probably the last question just for my own curiosity and for those at home go for it do you all set up a permanent like stipend or earnings out of the business to your personal accounts or you just ad hoc draw and then how does that work on a practical way yeah i think at the beginning like with most businesses you just don't take any money no and it's really hard because it's not realistic so we started with a very small amount you know, $100 a week. Yeah. And then we've slowly increased it, you know, $50 at a time. And it kind of gives us the motivation to try and strive for a higher target. And now we all have our own accounts, our family personal accounts. We all get a set amount. It's still not very much, but, you know, we can live a pretty simple life because Newcastle is affordable kind of. Ish. Ish. Yeah. But we, you know, we, we share a lot. So because we're one family, all of us will share care each other's kids and cook. So it's not like we're living very separate lives. And that helps because, you know, we're part of like a local egg collective, which is awesome. Mm. And so we all bundle in together and buy eggs, you know, every week. That kind of simple stuff. And your kind of family vibe, do you think some of that is from your heritage and culture originally? Or is it just because you're not a psychopath that lives in their head like me? I think <laughs> it's it's totally natural because... In Malaysia, so my, my dad is the eldest of six kids and yeah. they lived in a small village in Gamas and they all lived in one room, like one bedroom and it was a shop house and there was like 35 people living in that building mm. and they were all different families. So everything was shared. Like you don't really have anything to yourself. You don't have your own bedroom. You don't have your own bed. You don't really have your own stuff. You mm. just share and you all have to contribute to cooking, cleaning, packing, whatever. So for example, and... I guess, Laura, you jump in if you've got it. I mainly just want to get to the nuts and bolts of the <laughs> yeah, business yeah, yeah. side. Yeah. I, and this is funny, like we prepped all these crap for the episode, but it's like you're the type of person I could just keep digging totally. and scratching and it's uh, it's really fun. So, 
I know dealing with family businesses mm. that sometimes what can happen is we're in business together and then, oh, we've all made a big profit. Now we're all going to go and invest over here together and then we're going to do that. Mm. And it gets to the point where the family grows and it's like, oh, my goals are different to my brothers or sisters and it gets messy. So for your own, I guess, future wealth or future planning, yep. have you guys thought about Almost, well, we want to just buy our own little investment property here or we want to do our own little account here. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a good point because that is definitely a risk. And we have talked about in the past, what do we do if one of us wants to leave the business? Like, that's a pretty big question. Mm. And it's very personal. Mm. And we have had times where the three of us have been in different times of our lives, different locations. Like Ro wasn't living in Newcastle at one point. And it is really tricky, but... We're very lucky in the sense that we're so close to our parents. Like they're totally part of, we wouldn't have this business without them. And we have the same values and the same kind of desires, which are very simple ones. Uh, And we have done an investment together. So we we have property shared. And the reason why that works is, is because the three of us and our three partners are kind of all self-employed. Yeah. And so being like an individual is very hard or just even in your couple to do Mm. something. So in the power is that we do it together. Yeah. It's quite interesting to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. So all I would probably suggest is if you haven't already, speak to your lawyer friend, cook yes. them dinner and say, look, we need to do some type of agreement, partnership agreement. Yeah. And then what it might be is if someone wants to leave the business due to the nature of everything, yeah. we need at least six months notice and these are the terms. That's great advice. However, if you get thrown in jail for trafficking meth over the border, you're instantly out. Yes, that's um, right. Anything illegal, you're yeah, out. And, and likewise for uh, you do need to have the conversation around death and disability. So what would happen if one of the business partners died prematurely? Yeah. It just needs to be a discussion. And I'm sure it's all amicable, but it just needs to be a discussion. Yeah, so, I think that's a good point. And actually just to, to write it down. Absolutely. And just agree on it. And we only need to get that agreement out of the drawer... Yep. if something goes pear-shaped. So I'll give you an example. One of your brother-in-laws, over time, a bit of a loose hinge, you know, he's unhinged or whatever <laughs> and going through a bit of a rough patch and I'm going to the extreme for this example. Maybe one of the partners dies prematurely, for example. Now you're in business by default oh, with, with your brother-in-law who is now unhinged and wants to come in and start changing things. Yeah. So it just needs to be a consideration that's talked about among yourselves. That is a, that's a very good point. And we had been thinking too about how to make sure we, because I do all the books, so I need to have a really good system that if anything happens to me, then people can take over it and know where everything is. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you have any other clinical business questions? No, I have no, no <laughs> clinical business questions. Ange, the word sustainability has been used a lot these yes. days. How do you actually define it and how do you recommend that us as consumers consciously evaluate what is and what isn't sustainable. Yeah, it's, it's a big word and it has been thrown around a lot and there's a bit of greenwashing going on. But really the core of it for us personally, the sustainability means to be able to do things in a really considered and thoughtful way. For us as a family and as a business making product, making sure that firstly we are buying materials that are, are made well, cared for the environment, and the people who are making those inputs are looked after. And then from then on, what we do with the materials is that 
we look after the people who are making the product. So, I mean, it's us. We have a very small team. We make sure that it's proper living wages and it's got to be relevant to the country. We don't produce overseas, but there's a lot of labels that don't even know what factories are making their clothes and they don't even know what are happening to the people who are dyeing the fabrics that are using. So there's a lot of worry around that area. And then also from then on, it's also what do we do from the product to getting it to the consumer? We want to be really thoughtful about how we present our work, how we talk about what we make and what it means to the person who's buying it. Because you're you're not paying $10 for our clothes. There's a process and there's a price to pay for all the consideration yeah. and the sustainability that yeah. goes into it. So that means that when we are offering it to you as a product, we want it to last. We want it to fit well on you. We want it to make sense in your life and we want you to look after it because yeah. then it's going to last longer and yeah. we're not going to have this throwaway culture and sustainability also means sustainability for our family you know it's a simple simple living it doesn't have to be too complicated we're not striving to be multi-millionaires it really is just about doing good work and making good product and that the product is really great for the people who are wearing it yeah, that obviously kind of permeates into the rest of your life. Totally. So in the foods that you buy and even different aspects of your life, like how else does it impact the rest of your life for your family? Well, I think once you're kind of with that mindset of sustainability, it really changes your attitude towards pretty much everything, especially people. I think we're so hooked on devices and instant gratification. But when it comes down to it, it's having relationships with people. And so for us, having this really great approach to sustainability and a sustainable life just means being connected to people, being connected to your food, being connected to your clothes, being connected to your stuff and being connected to each other. And I think that's a really nice way to live. And it's interesting because because you've got an economics and commerce type background and then your sisters have like the creative fusion, like it's a good fusion of yeah, like... <laughs> Because the whole thing with partnerships, if everybody's the same, someone's not needed. You know what I mean? So, That's it's right. good that you've got that fusion. If I can go on a bit of a rant, and I know we're talking about you, but what pisses me off is like this whole, we'll remove the plastic bags from Coles and Woolworths, right? Yeah. And then the next minute, you can just buy a bag for 15 cents. It's still plastic. Yeah. It's still, we're still going to see these now bigger Coles bags in the waterways. It's true. Like if they were that serious, why not offer us to buy cardboard or paper bags for 15 cents i think the thing is it's cost you know like most companies and obviously we're we're a business so we have to make some profit to survive it's about the bottom line and it's not a triple bottom line you know it's really about the money because you've got shareholders to think about and you have investors and all this sort of stuff so they're trying to solve one problem which is great removing the plastic bags meant that they took all of that out of the market and now everybody has adjusted within a couple of days. Yeah. Couple and it wasn't weeks. even an issue. <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, they had some abuse to yeah. Woolies and cold stuff. But ultimately, people just switched. Oh, I just bring my own bag. It's yeah. no big deal. But if you just didn't offer an alternative, you would have to be lugging your giant lots of food in your arms to your car. Then you would never forget your bags. Totally. So, don't, totally. Offer, don't offer it. Because how many yeah. times do you like go in and you're like oh, bloody, the bags are in the car. And, and you then, just go and buy one though, if, if it's there. Well, I don't. Good on you. Yeah. I uh, don't know what you're doing over there for sustainability, Ange, but... Um, <laughs> I've but seen like, people just I, go... I would rather like juggle out of like yes. walk out of the supermarket. I've got bloody a can of 
tuna or something in my head, balancing it. And, <laughs> but I guess like, but if they were serious, they would not have the plastic bags in the fruit department. So it's all optics and BS as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's a small step. And like you say, I am kind of impressed at how people kind of went, oh, okay, well, this is what we do yeah, now. Yeah, we just bring And I bags. love that. And I think it's just those changes that we go, oh, okay, so now we don't do the 15 mm. cent bags. We do the yeah. green bags or the cardboard boxes or whatever it is. Yeah. I think people are far more adaptable than, totally. than we think. So that's why the actually learning and being actually in a position where we have to be sustainable mm. is really powerful. And so if we can talk about fast fashion and slow fashion, how does someone make the transition from buying, you know, a new shirt every weekend or whatever, buying fast fashion pieces to slow fashion pieces? What does that look like? How does someone do that? To be honest, it really starts with your wardrobe and realizing that every dollar you spend actually does make a difference because that's a vote, right? If you're not spending it with Zara and H&M or Bardo or whatever, it means that you're hopefully saving that money and putting it towards a great local business or a brand that you really believe in that are doing really great things towards you know sustainability. So knowing that your dollar does count, checking your wardrobe and going, okay, in the past, I have done this and I now have way too many clothes, stuff that I don't wear, things that don't fit me, whatever it is, recognizing that that's a point in time that you can stop. And then now we're looking at the future from now on, what decisions am I going to make that are better? And I think it's realizing that maybe you have habits. Like, for example, you know, you might actually look at your wardrobe and realize you've got 15 peasant floral tops, which you've never worn and they've got their swing tag still on it. You might have been wanting to look like a person that wants to wear a peasant floral top and then <laughs> realize, oh, it doesn't suit me. So yes. understanding what you have done in the past and trying to change that behavior and then also getting to know yourself because – if you really look at the key pieces that you wear on a regular basis, it's probably only a small capsule. It might be yeah. 10 or 15 pieces. Understanding that that works for you. It, it works for your body. It fits well. It, and the clothes work together. Yeah. So in the future, when you're making the decision from now, you really want to be thinking about, okay, so firstly, I want to make sure that that purchasing decision is going to be a good one because that makes all the difference. So if you're going to spend money on purchasing something, you want to wear it and wear it well. And it and love wearing and it, love right? Wearing love how it. it feels, love how you yes. feel in it. So yeah. you don't yeah. look at it in the cup and go, oh, I love that, but actually it doesn't feel very good. So it just stays in there. Yeah. So you need to try it on. You want to feel good in it and look good in it and want to wear it. And from then, it's like, you know, buy and then the process in the middle is wearing it over time. And at the end, it's discarding or finishing that life in your cupboard. So yeah. that means it's three parts. So if you buy well and then you look after it because you really appreciate what that garment is or perhaps who made it because you research and you know who made it. And then at the end, knowing that there's avenues for discarding it, not just putting it in your bin and then it goes to landfill. So it's a pretty big thing because if you think about it at the beginning, that decision you're making at the start will impact on the end. Mm -hmm. So if you're buying a $10 top, which you wear once and it shreds in the wash or it goes out of shape, well, that costs you $10 per wear. If you're paying $200 for a top and you know that it's made of really great natural fibers and it has been made well and it's going to last and you've worn it 50 times, well, you do the math. It's yeah, pretty that's awesome so cost cool. Cost per wear. I love thinking yeah, about gotta, it like you that. you got to do that. And just... I have been learning. I just had to Google what a peasant top was. 
So I'm just looking at some nice. They're cute. You'd look great you in. Yeah, what you yeah, you'd look great in one. Uh, maybe I, I could probably wear more the the cropped peasant top to sh- <laughs> <laughs> You know, the old bear midriff. <laughs> cropped peasant mm. top. Love it. Perfect. I yeah. think that's that's really great. I love the cost per wear. I think that's such a great, almost a formula for deciding yeah. what what you're going to buy. You totally. Know, the queen wears a new set of clothes every day. Every day. Yep. They've Does got she? yeah. I watched the documentary and they've got a dressmaker and he makes all the dresses. Wow. They're all custom made. You know that lime green thing that she was wearing at but the they all look kind of the same the shapes all look like it's, yeah. i feel like i've seen her wearing that one jacket with those well, gold not, buttons not getting any younger laura <laughs> <laughs> that's that's quite bizarre because isn't the story that prince charles is a mender and he really keeps his clothes for a very long time yeah. and he has the practice of mending his his mm. own clothes well that is so cool so what would you tell your 25 year old self about clothing and consumption I think when, whether you are 25 now or you can think back to that time, you know, you're in the thick of it. You've started maybe working, you're getting a bit more income, you feel like you want to buy stuff. You also feel like you want to keep up with everyone around you. The big message would be just be yourself, like figure out who you are and what your own style is and don't keep up with the Joneses. And also realize that the money that you have can go a really long way. Like when you're talking about fast fashion and the thrill of instant gratification and just retail therapy and buying and buying and buying, it doesn't last very long. So you might be earning all this money and you've pretty much spent all of that and more and you're in debt, in credit card debt, because you just wanted to buy and look good and you know take selfies and post it on So Instagram. how do you manage not having the same Instagram photo with the same clothes? You learn to be creative. And you can wear your clothes in different ways, back to front, upside down, wear it with a scarf, tie it around your head. Like you can play with your clothes. And I think it's like we've been told with a lot of social media that you want these looks, you want to look like these people. Mm. But that also reduces your inspiration to be creative with your own clothes. But it's so deep. It, It comes back to I actually care what people think about me, which, yeah, we all want to be loved and liked, but it comes to the point where... You've just got to be like, well, I do in my life, someone's opinion of me, I don't actually care. That's and it. that's if I could tell anyone under twenty five listening, the sooner you can get through that in your life, the more peace that you will have. Because like we all think that everyone cares about us, but no one actually does, because we all go home to our own homes and watch our own episodes of whatever and got our own problems. Yeah. So no one actually cares. Totally. But I also think Instagram, you go home. And you're not even consciously trying to shop, but Instagram, you're there for social purposes, yeah. but you end up being there for buying purposes because you're scrolling and then you see ads for things and you're like, oh, I do like that. Yeah, and so, also you see friends or whoever you're following, you know, wearing certain things and they're all positive things. Obviously, you don't want to post like gross pictures of yourselves totally, or, you know, things that are not very exciting. So, it's like this awe oh but that looks so cool and that person's got a new car and this and they're only 25 like how's that possible and so there's a whole lot of anxiety that happens there so I don't know I think if I went back to being 25 I'd kind of go look just chill out like it's it's okay to be yourself it's okay to actually not know yourself but you're just working it out and you don't need to spend all your money to look a certain way and maybe learn how to sew use your hands learn how to make stuff 
go and do a course, go and talk to your grandma. I love that. What I've found with my own vibe, for whatever a better word, through spring, winter, whatever, I just wear like dark jeans, my boots yeah. and a plain dark shirt because it's just easier. So, totally. maybe you need to find your style yes. that you're comfortable with yeah. and I've had to adapt and change with time. <laughs> I think, and I like, do I, think... I don't want to be the... Yeah, I don't want to be the... The Mark the Zuckerberg. Yeah, of, or whatever. The Central Coast. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, but I do think for women it's also different too, right? Like I know that there are plenty of men who want to have new clothes all the time, but I think one thing that maybe could help, particularly millennials is go through and cull people that you follow on Instagram. If you yeah. follow brands and influencers who are just getting free clothes all the time, which is also a funny thing as well because they wear it once, take a photo and bye-bye. That's right. And they can't really sell it because it's a gift. I've met yeah. so many influencers that don't have much money in like real life, so I don't actually care about influencers. They think they're important and heaps famous online. But at the end of the day, if something changed with Instagram and – Oh, there was totally. a mass migration yeah. off Instagram to another platform. Yes, they wouldn't they're, exist. They're no one. Yeah, exactly. Shout out if you're listening. <laughs> no, but I think it's a thing of being conscious of, okay, well, what do I allow into my space? You know, if I'm coming home from work and scrolling Instagram and everything is just fashion or new things and clothes yeah. that making me feel like I need to buy stuff, then just I unfollow. I had to unfollow a heap of watch companies. Yes. Because it's mm. like... No, I don't need a $13,000 watch. And once they know you've started looking for a watch, everything just floods in. Totally. Totally. Yes, that's so true. Yeah, so so I think – and just as general well-being, I went through a period, I think, in over the last month, every day I unfollowed somebody on Instagram. That's a great idea. It was just because it's like, yeah, sweet. I met you at a party eight years ago. Don't care. Why do I still yeah. care? Why, yeah. I still, why is your fees still turning up? Yeah. It's like, yeah. don't actually care. The other thing that could help too is actually just trying to, you know, meet people, hang out with people around you. They're the ones that influence you that have a more mindful approach, you know, like you might try and expand your friendship group or join, you know, some of these like maker circles or whatever it is. You might just try and find a community that support the way that you want to be thinking and approaching life. Because yeah. I find that, that that helps a lot. And when you have that community, you help each other out because you do clothes swaps. Yeah, and I was just about to say, like, that. clothes swapping. Yes. I mean, not for me personally. Why not? Uh, I'm a bit fat. and <laughs> my I, Like, so, for example, I really like country road stuff, right? Hey, they're, they're doing some good they things. They are. They are. They're improving. But their shirts, I just don't have the body for it. And it annoys me. Their shirts me. are short. Yeah. Their guys' shirts me. are really short. I just want to be... Like mm. a model, so yeah. I can fit into nice clothes. <laughs> Do you have a way of finding out stores that are in department stores? So yeah. like a Westfield or whatever. Do you have a way of knowing what their methodology is, if it's sustainable? How does someone find that out? Yeah, this is a that's a really tough thing. And that's why people find it hard to get the information because there isn't a standard and there's no requirement by law that you have to be transparent or you don't have to list anything on your website. So it does come down to the person doing the research or actually just subscribe to some really great newsletters that do the work for you. Mm. Like Eco Warrior Princess, for example, the wardrobe crisis is brilliant. Claire Press is the sustainability editor at large for Vogue. Shout out, Claire. She's fantastic. Cool. What was that? The wardrobe crisis. The wardrobe crisis. So it's a podcast, which I listen to, and she has really great interviews in this fashion sustainability space. Mm. I love and it. And she has a great advice. And I think it's 
understanding that it's not up to everyone else to sort yourself out. Like you got to do the work. It's personal responsibility. Yeah. I love that. I think as well, like it comes back to values. Do you as an individual value the environment that you live in, the greater environment? Like what do you value? Yeah. And for me, I personally value quality over quantity because one, it's better quality and it lasts longer. That's right. Like I just had my RMs resold. That's brilliant because it's going to last another five, yeah. ten years. So, the RMs, like everyone knows, it could be $600 a pair. The resoling was $165. But for me, I actually don't care that I get it resold eight times in eight years. But it's the fact that the suede is still good. Yeah. I can still use it. And it's yeah. cool because they're my shoes and they go along my journey. And, and they, you've worn them in. Totally. They're really comfortable. Totally. And we've mentioned it in the minimalist episode that we did last year, the Baptist World Aid Australia website, the ethical fashion guide. You can jump on there, put any brand in and they screen them all. And it's just a really good start. Yeah, definitely. Things like that where you can do the research, maybe yeah, an organization has done it for you. There's also the Good On You app, but you'll find too that the tricky thing is like, say, for example, us, we're such a small brand. We're not on any of those things. Also, I think what's really great is that there's this whole thing in Australia and around the world of makers markets. We travel around Australia and do design markets all year round. Wow. So in Sydney, there's the Finders Keepers, In also in Melbourne, and then there's the big design market and we do little ones like Makers Nest and the Makers and Shakers. So there's all these little platforms where you can go to a design market where you get to meet the person who is making Love it so the much. Work. So Touch much. it, feel it, talk to them. Do you know the Strand in Sydney CBD, that old shopping centre? Yes. On the very top floor, there's a boot maker. Yes, Andrew and McDonald. Do you know him? Yes. I want a pair of boots from there. But my dilemma is, so here's the dilemma. Yes, I want a custom pair of boots, right? Yep. They're probably $1,500, two grand, whatever. So the money's a consideration. But my problem is I've already got three really good pairs of RMs. Yeah. So... I can't bring myself to actually doing it. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is realizing that you're asking yourself, do I need it? And just because I can doesn't mean I should. That's right. And on the flip side, like we also have the situation where people say, I can't buy ethical and sustainable clothing because it's more expensive and I don't have the budget for it. And understandably, it does cost more, but that you don't have to do it in that particular way. There's either secondhand market. The stats are sort of saying that in the next 10 years, the secondhand market is going to overtake fast fashion. Like how awesome that's amazing. is so that? So cool. And that's a, actually, just on that point, if you are listening and you are in uni and you are studying or your income's lower or you're trying to get out of debt or you're trying to save for a wedding or whatever, the best entry point to sustainable fashion is your local op shop. Totally. And you can get some banging deals. You yeah. can. So, Love your it. op shops, you've got clothes swaps. You can chat to your friends and get together and have a, have a fun evening where you can all bring a couple of pieces that you don't wear yeah. anymore. You need That's to do cool. that more, listeners. Have little clothes parties, you <laughs> yeah. know. Growing up, mum used to have the Tupperware party. That's right. That was fun. <laughs> Why don't Tupperware just stock it in David Jones so I can go and buy something from there? I don't think that's their business model. I know, but I want to buy more Tupperware because it lasts forever. You should start one. No, actually, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to buy glassware for home. Glassware? Not Tupperware. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like, like that. I like that. A bit that. more sustainable. But weirdly, I broke my Bowdoin pour-over coffee thing last mm-hmm. night. Sad. Smash. It was glass. Anyway. So, that's a good entry point, you know. If your income's not there, 
to buy good quality clothes. And I would actually, this is what I'd probably do as well, jump onto at High Tea with Mrs. Wu, check out the clothes there, buy from Ange and the, the gals. You're supporting a real family. Like 100% of your money is going onto the ground. It's not going to supply chain and all that BS. Two, it's going to be very bespoke. You're not going to walk into a party and four other people are wearing the same thing. No, we don't make that many clothes. Yeah. And three, I forgot the third point, but I just remembered then. Jump onto her Instagram as well. Look at the things that Ange follows to find other cool clothing companies. Yeah, that's great advice. That yeah. would be, and maybe yeah. you could do an index on your website. And I know it's business and you know you no, don't want to promote, but it's idea. like... Because this is the whole thing, right? So I did a thing on my blog, Top Australian Money Podcasts, and I listed them all. Awesome. And a lot of people with their business hat would say on... Why are you promoting the competition? Well, at the end of the day, we're all in this together. Not everyone's going to love me. Likewise, we're all in this fashion world together. Not everyone... Like, I can't get into a frock like that. (laughs) But you might have a reference on your site for other supplies. Totally. And I think this is the whole thing about the share economy is that if we collectively... So, there's this argument going around that, but how can you be a slow fashion business and survive? Because the whole point is that you want people to buy less stuff and you're not going to be able to sell more clothes. And so, what's the point really? But the point is that the more slow fashion labels exist we together can overtake fast fashion. Mm. So you have to do it together. And also supply chain wise, the more of us demand better materials that are really well made and proper natural dyes or whatever it is, it means that there's more demand, means that there's more supply and the price goes down. So that that way, as time goes on, we'll be able to produce what we produce for a lower cost. So tell us about, we before we press record, you're talking about the life cycle group. Could you give us the 411, what do they say? I don't know, give us the down low or something. Lowdown. The lowdown. Could you give us the lowdown? <laughs> My husband's going to crack up because I always say things around the wrong way. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so pretty much... What's your husband's name? Matt. What up, Matt? Thanks for listening. <laughs> because we've been in business for 19 years and 15 years of, of high tech Mrs. Wu, we have had this kind of time frame where our customers have had our clothing, worn our clothing, and then their lives have changed. They've had babies. They've gotten older. Their skin tones change, their hair colors change, they've become larger, they've become smaller, their bodies have changed, menopause, stuff happens, that's just life. We're just living organisms. We totally are. And you know, the clothes that you bought 15 years ago probably don't necessarily suit you right now. So we had this idea, and and because we started off with an op shop, so we know, we understand secondhand, we've always been secondhand um, shoppers. We wanted to figure out a way to help our customers be able to pass on their clothes that they don't wear anymore that that misses Wu clothes and we talked about it with our colleagues and they were like there's no way you can create a secondhand market because it's competing with your own new clothes that wouldn't really make sense but it felt right to us so we created a high tea with mrs Wu life cycle facebook group it started in february this year and it's really just a place for people to post a picture of their garment that they don't wear anymore and often because they're so attached to the pieces and and to us they'll tell a story about this is the garment that I wore to my daughter's graduation and I love it so much but I've gone through menopause and now I'm a size 14 and it doesn't fit me I'm just I just wish for someone to be able to continue wearing it they decide on how much they want to sell it for it's got nothing to do with us in terms of money it's just a safe happy place you've just set up the platform you set up the platform and it's so awesome and people that who, is so cool. especially for the younger generation who can't 
currently or don't have the mindset yet to go, I'm happy to spend $200 on a garment, they can enter at a lower price point, see if they like it, get a feel for it, and then understand that there is value in the investment. Plus, how cool is it for you guys to see how long your garments last for? That's so cool. It is, and, and it's awesome because we know we've made good decisions with our fabrics and we've spent a lot more money on fabrics right from the beginning and it's always been natural fibers so that it lasts natural fibers is definitely the way to go it's not plastic it's not nylon just so funny like if you look at photos of me probably under 10 years old and myself and all my cousins a photo all the clothes we're wearing it's because mum and aunt Kay sewed them all like that is so great because we, we were as poor as a church growing up and it was just everything like cut out the templates yeah. and they would have mum the overlocker and the But you could choose your own machine. fabrics too. Like it yeah. was a fun process. So yeah, I used to wear like these shorts that mum would make and Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Bring back the early nineties, I say. So you can go to highteethmrswoo.com.au and you've got a slow wearing well guide. We do, yes. Which it's really cool. And we'll we'll share some of this stuff on our Insta as well because it's really fun. So can you just tell us the Facebook group for the, the life cycling? So it's called High Tea with Mrs. Wu Life Cycle. It's a closed group. So just apply and I'll let you in. And the whole idea really is just it's so great to be able to buy and sell secondhand of, of our work. But you know that it's going to be like if you're trying to sell something, it's someone who likes our stuff already. And that's really great. And it's a bit, it's confronting for us because the stuff that we made 15 years ago, you know, it's a bit bizarre, some of it. Yeah. So, you you know, we get also, we face the design challenges of, oh, well, maybe that way of constructing something didn't quite work out or, well, those fabrics are really out there because, you know, we've also evolved. Mm. But the really cool thing is that we have taken it even further, which I think a lot of people thought were a bit nuts. But we took the whole idea of the second hand into the store so in September, we launched High Tea with Mrs. Wu Lifecycle in the store. So in our shop, we have all of our new designs and next to it, it's also the second hand. And the conversation there has been really interesting because you would think that that would be really weird going into a store that has its own second hand mm. and it's not owned by us. So it's a consignment arrangement. But the great thing is that when you have someone that comes in who maybe isn't ready to plunge into a higher investment piece, they can get a secondhand piece. And they can try it. They can try it and they can see whether it works. And also some of them are really old, like I'll show you in a moment, mm. 15 years old and it still looks beautiful because the person who bought it looked after it. Wow. And you can't tell that it's 15 years old. Someone walks in and they can buy a secondhand piece and a new piece and feel like there's a timelessness to design as well. Wow. And... Are they dry clean only? Are they washing machine? Are they... Has to be really practical. Like in terms of clothing, we're all busy yeah. and we want everyone to be able to wear it where it will. Do you have any tips generally on washing clothes in your washing machine? Like I've got a Bosch front loader. Is there a good detergent that doesn't, I don't know, just help a brother out? The first, <laughs> the first question to ask is, do you need to wash it today? You know, because a lot of the time we just assume you've worn it, you just chuck it in the wash. But if you have natural fibres... They breathe. Is this a natural fiber? That looks like cotton. It's, co- it's 100% cotton. Yep. I don't buy anything that's got polyester. Poly- Brilliant. I just need to breathe, you know. Well, that's the, <laughs> the question would be then, if you don't need to wash it right away, hang it up. Air it out. And if you do need to wash it, obviously it's got stains or you've worn mm. it for a couple of days. Obviously, there's summertime. 
you know, body odor and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely wash it. Just wash it less often. Obviously, use, you know, some good natural washing powder. And to maintain longevity, you know, you separate your whites and your colors and all that kind of stuff. Thanks, mum. I do that already. <laughs> no, but um, Most of us don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually, because it's only me living at home, I never hang things out in the sun. I always got a, a dry rack and put yes. it in the, under the cover outside or in yep, the side. Because the fading does, the sun fading does yeah. affect it. Now, before you get into some of these designs here, what are some tips how to just quickly tweak and edit your wardrobe? Do you have this rule that's like, if you haven't worn it in six months, it's gone? Or like, how do you vibe it? There's no hard and fast rule. I think it depends on the on the person. The whole Mario Kondo phenomenon that's happened recently on Netflix is really about... Entertainment? What? Yeah, there yeah. is. <laughs> I mean, it, it is pretty entertaining. You know, does it, does it give you joy? Does it spark joy? That's quite cool. But the problem I have with that approach is that she didn't really discuss what happens to the garments after it doesn't spark joy. It's true. Where are you going to discard it? And you have to do that in a responsible way. So we feel like editing, it's not necessarily culling. Editing your wardrobe really means making a decision on whether or not that garment or those garments mean something to you. And if it does, keep it. Like you don't have to chuck it out. If you've got the space and it's sentimental or you just love it but you don't wear it but it means something to you, that's fine. But you have to be making a conscious decision about those things. I got out a pair of shorts the other day that I bought a while ago and I didn't really wear them like two years ago. And then I got them out the other day. I'm like, oh, what are these? I'm like, oh, hang on, I'll try them. I don't even remember buying them. Yeah, I don't like the look of it. Ah. And then I, I rolled up the cuff ah. things and now I wear them. Yeah, there you go. I didn't have to buy a new set of shorts this summer. Well, it's like reinvention, right? I mean, yeah. another approach Australia is... Australia of the year, right here. Get a medal for that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You're welcome. It's kind of like, you know, maybe the clothes that you don't think work for you at the time, you might just be able to rework them a bit. You know, maybe you could dye it or maybe you could get an alterations person to adjust it for you. Repurposing is also a really great idea. I think people don't think so much about it's like okay I've got this pair of pants and they just don't work they don't fit quite right whatever it is but rather than thinking about them as like a pair of pants that you want to wear out snip snip shorts yeah shorts (laughs) gardening pants your art clothes whatever it is like you can repurpose them and still have value Mm. in the garment Mm. and of course then after that you've got to find the right ways to discard it that's Mm. not just chucking in and I think it goes back to I value sustainability in my life and I'm going to put that ethos into my wardrobe, into my food, food. into my life. Into your relationships. Yeah, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but sure, let's do that as well. Now, <laughs> now I might get Jess to grab... I'll give you my camera and we're going to film. Angela's got her NFL headset on. Yes. And she's going to... And this is Laura's house. What up? Hello. Welcome. <laughs> and... <laughs> I want to see this 15-year-old one first. Okay. So, this one is one of our oldest pieces. So, you could not tell that that we made that, yeah, I think close to 15 years ago. Wow. Can I touch it? Yeah, totally. So cool. So, this is like a, it was like a three-collar jacket and all of these fold up. So It's just such good quality. And I think that's the key. Like, if you're buying something that has really good materials, it, it will last mm. over, you know, wash and wear and crinkling and putting away and taking it traveling it Mm. should last so this person has had it in their wardrobe for a long time unworn and so when we started the life cycle all these people have been contacting us saying 
this is awesome because I've been holding onto my pieces, getting worried about letting them go and I don't want them to go to people who don't appreciate it. That's amazing. So that's yeah. that's one of our older pieces. So that's on consignment. Yeah, so we're going to because we sold we've helped rehome over 100 pieces in store and over 100 pieces on the life cycle group. So it's really awesome because they're not in people's wardrobes anymore. So people good. are wearing them. This is another oldie but a goodie. It's a reversible um, waistcoat and the cool thing is that you know, it's nice for us to realize the designs that have worked really well. So you can wear it this way and when you flip it over, it's all black. Oh, wow. So just a question. So when this went into production, did you make five or 15 of them in three sizes each? Or do you kind of put a couple up, see if they sell, get feedback? How do you do that process? Yeah, look out. Because we're very small scale, we don't have to do the big commitment thing like big companies do like we don't have to say i need to make 300 of these in this size it's really it's a kind of intuitive so we might get some wholesale orders we might make a decision for our shop because these sizes sell better and these colors sell Mm. better and it might just be we make you know five of this size 10 of this size eight of it whatever it is but we cut so if it sells out if we have the fabric we'll just recut it it's really slow. It's like total slow fashion. Love it. Which means also that the people who buy it, you're not going to see much of it around. This is a more recent one, but you know she doesn't fit into it anymore, so she's really happy. And it's what I'm wearing. It's the same style. Oh, wow. But it's so great that after you know five years, it's still in awesome condition because wow. she's looked after it, and it's still relevant. You can still wear that in summer. It's really great and easy to wear. So that's our examples of life cycle. And then this is an example of Kintsugi. So, and you will have to jump on Instagram if you haven't got the memo already, everyone, because there's a video up of uh, us showing this. Yes, that's right. So yeah. Kintsugi is a philosophy in Japan about mending broken ceramics in gold. And what the idea is that you're not just breaking something and then going, oh, well, it's not worth anything anymore. There is still value and you can still use it. So by repairing it in gold, what it's saying is that you're celebrating that it's even more beautiful, that it's marked a passage of time of wear and tear and that it still makes sense to keep using it. So for just our own purposes, we love that philosophy and we wanted to figure out how we could carry that across to clothing. So we've developed this idea of kintsugi for clothing, gold mending. And Mm. do you, so if someone purchased uh, some clothes from you and they walked and tore it open like would you say ship it back to us we'll charge you 100 bucks and we'll mend it or do you just go go to your local seamstress yeah at the moment no like obviously the best option without any postage is just to go to your local repair person and in terms of you know gold mending we've started doing workshops we're teaching people how to do it so then you know how to do it so cool i love that and hopefully it just spreads the word and the love that you can fix things yourself like you need a needle and thread and a really you know good approach to maintaining Mm. the life of your clothes this is how lame i am i didn't have a a needle and thread at home and one of my pair of shorts the the button came off so I took it around to Jen, my local seamstress, and she fixed it. That's yeah. awesome. Well, at least you have a local seamstress. Like lots of people don't even know who their, their local seamstress is. Yeah. Um, I love those pants so much. Yes. So this is another repair and it's the same as my pants. So I'm wearing yeah. my pair my that I ripped or my kids ripped. And it's really awesome because in gold, it's making it visible. That's the whole point. So just are these are in current fashion. 
like are they is that what we call it are they <laughs> are they available to purchase new at the moment yeah so yeah. yeah this is our like classic style which we've been doing for many many years and how much would a pair of those bad boys set me back 180 yeah okay that's yeah. so reasonable yeah and i think that's the thing that people don't realize it's like what is the the price point that you think is too expensive like if you've bought you know probably four pairs of pants in the last couple of years that are 50 bucks each like, are they still working? Like, do you still wear them? Yeah, and it's a pain to go into Jeans West. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And Ooh. so, it's a, it's a bit of a, a mindset to go, what, a, what actually is Is expensive? it 180 including postage or postage on top? Uh, postage, we have some months where we do free postage. Sure, okay. But you're getting change out of 200 bucks. Even better, come to the shop. Come to the shop if the you're shop in Newcastle, is beautiful. New South Thank Wales, yes. Derby Street. We were going to record there today, uh, but we didn't. I forget the reason why, because we needed... <laughs> Air conditioning? Yeah. yeah. And I had stuff on before this morning, so... Yeah, totally. Okay, sweet. And any other little numbers you want to show yeah, us? Yeah, so that was the idea of Lifecycle and, and Kintsugi. The other thing that we do that we're working more towards is low or zero waste. There's this whole thing about zero waste where, you know, you have absolutely nothing wasted afterwards, which is a great philosophy, except that it's really blocky. So, you think mm. about clothes... It has to work. Like the design has to be right. So our approach is they're trying to figure out firstly how to make really good designs that fit people's bodies well. And of course, in thinking about that, how to reduce the waste in the way that the pattern is designed and the cutting. This is our zero undercover jacket. So this is a zero waste garment. So in cutting this piece, every single part of the fabric piece is used in this garment. And the trick was not that we made it into this blocky piece, but all of the scraps are in here. So the person carries the off guts and it's a scarf, you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, quirky thing that you can wear or not wear, but essentially you're taking the waist. And that's a nice linen, isn't it? It's a beautiful linen. I love linen. So it's a jacket, you know, it has adjustable sleeves. We have very varied size bodies. So our women are from size, you know, six all the way up to 26. And this sort of garment is great because it can be worn by various sizes. It just depends on whether it's your style or not. The zero waste or low waste idea is really fascinating and it's a good challenge for our design. So, if I order the pair of pants and I get them delivered and they don't fit me. Yep. And I live in Perth. Yes. What do I do? Just send it back. Oh. Yeah, you can send it. It's just like, you know, we're not obviously the iconic or anything like that. Like you'll, you'll send it back to us and we'll resend you the, the right size or store credit, whatever it is. I think it's just realizing that obviously buying online comes with the potential that it doesn't fit and being okay with, with the exchange. And we're totally comfortable with that because we want it to work on you. Mm. And if you're buying it online and you've never bought something from us before, you need to kind of test it. Totally. And the great thing about our customers is most of the time, once they know their size, they feel really comfortable with buying online, but we meet them at the markets. Like we go to the market so that we can see them, they can try on and all that stuff. Just a final question. The secondhand pieces, Yes. what's the price point difference? So what's one of the secondhand pieces selling for? They vary. Like on the um, Lifecycle Facebook group, people are just kind of making their own decisions. Sure. But it's quite high price. Like I think... What's really great is that people, our customers and the people who covered our work know that there's value. So just because it's secondhand, it's not $10. Like this might sell more for like $80, 
and but you it's 150 and or something. It's 195, yep. you know. So this one might go for 100 or 110, but new it might be 250. Mm. And obviously the jackets are more because new would have been over 300, mm. and it might be more like 150. So it's not it's not like you know going to an op shop, of course, but it, there is value. And the great thing about that is that our customers have been telling us which is great because it confirmed our thoughts is that it means when you're going into our shop and you're going say for example this this is our undercover jacket in store it's going to be 350 dollars. sure but when you buy it you also know there's a secondhand value so when you finish wearing it it doesn't work for you anymore you can resell it and you're not going to get ten dollars for it yeah and and that's it like i just want to kind of there will be people listening like oh, how can you have someone on the show selling $200 pair of pants? Well, you know, if you're working part-time and still studying, I'm not saying spend $200 on a pair of pants. But if you're in a family, you're out of debt, you've got emergency fund, you want to transition your life to sustainable living, it's an investment, okay? Absolutely. And, and maybe ask yourself too is, how long ha- has it taken you to spend $200 on the garments you've already bought? Like, did you buy four things that were fifty dollars each, or so? If you think about it in that way, it's really about making a good investment. In and that's clothing. right. And I guess my point was, if you don't have that type of capital now, can you go to op shops? Can you organise clothes swaps with your friends? Can you look at other ways to start this sustainable journey? Fantastic. And getting creative, I think, is what like what you were saying about okay, well, if it's if it's not working, can you get a seamstress to yeah. play around with it, or can you? change it to make it a scarf or whatever yeah. like jump on youtube there's some really quirky stuff there and people you know give you all kinds of ideas about how to cut a t-shirt up how to make rag rugs you know how to change you know cut the sleeves off and, and rework something it's mm. really fun and i think too like for example these is the other pieces that are staples so we work a lot with linen linen is a great fiber because it doesn't use a lot of water to grow and it's got a hundred day cycle so it's really fantastic. It wears well and linen is just such a lovely fabric to wear. You know, things like this where we feel as though you could have it in your wardrobe for, you know, many, many years. And then we do also do prints. So that's linen print. Mm. And then we'll do the dresses as well, which are pretty versatile because, you know, you can wear it up or down. And we think about how someone's going to wear it because everybody's got a different personality. Absolutely. So having yeah. flexibility in the design is also great. Sweet. So, Ange, thank you so much for sharing Laura's house with us. I mean, <laughs> for coming on the podcast and yes. talking to us about sustainable fashion. And I hope that you've been encouraged as you listen to make one small change in your wardrobe or in your life or how you're living. Okay. Because I think this whole sustainable thing, you've got to make the decision that it's not about money. It's about living the best way that you can it's to about do value. the most yeah. good. It's about value. Mm. See, I got asked to speak at a, an event, talk about uh, the cost differences of buying a house with solar and all that. And I'm like, you can't even have a money conversation about that because if you're doing it, you need to be happy to do it regardless of any financial benefit because Absolutely. it's a mindset of, no, I want to be sustainable and it might cost more. That's right. So... Thank you so much. Where can we find you online again? So we've got our website, highteawithmrswoo.com.au, on Instagram, highteawithmrswoo. And actually, just come into the store. It's really it's great to be able to meet you in person. And we do markets all around Australia, so jump on our website and have a look. Is it cool if I finish with one mantra? Love to. Love mantras. Yes. Oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> so we've um we've come up with a, a really simple starting point for anyone who wants to be more mindful about their purchases and it is wear clothes no more than you need mostly natural fibers and really the key is that you just want to make better decisions from now on every single decision you make you think about it you know buy less and choose well, make it last. Each little decision you make will just get you to a better place. Love it. Thank you so much, Ange. Thank you. Hi, I'm Shell. And I'm Em. We have a podcast called My Millennial Career. So if you're looking for some tips about work, you've got some questions on how to deal with your boss, or maybe some inspiration on a career change, you can head on over and subscribe to My Millennial Career wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please don't make me say it. No, you make me do it every single time. Someone please help me. No, I'm just kidding. Please help me. It's the Community Member of the Week. What up, Trent? Trent is up. He is 29 from Melbourne. Have you been to Melbourne much, Ange? Oh, yes. Yeah? Such a good place. Okay, here's a guess. What Trent's 29 in Melbourne, what do you think his occupation is? Um, I'll give you three guesses. Okay. Uh, a designer, industrial designer? No, but partial credit, maybe. Hmm. A retail social media marketing manager? No. Oh, a specialist barista um, roasting their own coffee? No. Trent is a mechatronic engineer. Whoa. So, but interesting, there could be a bit of design work involved Ooh. there. So Mechatronic. Yeah, it's wild. My friend Eddie, who doesn't listen to the podcast, is a mechatronic engineer. What up, Eddie? His financial goal is saving for a home deposit. How he's achieving this goal? What do you reckon, Laura? Being very smart by the sounds of it. Being <laughs> yeah. a mechatronic engineer. So, this is wild. He's saving over 50% of his income. Okay, that's a lot. So, wow. he's obviously living very frugally. Or earning a lot of money. Or earning a lot of money. (laughs) We don't know. And the silliest money mistake Trent has made is not branching out into a side hustle earlier. Ah, wow. Nice one. So, there'll be a photo on uh, Instagram of Trent later in the week. Thanks, everybody. We will see you soon. Bye. 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 If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, SunSuper is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more about SunSuper at sunsuper.com.au forward slash choose. You can join SunSuper online in under five minutes. Many people do not realize that slavery still exists in the world today. That's why My Millennial Money supports A21. We want to highlight A21 as they work to abolish slavery and human trafficking all across the world. If you want to support A21, visit a21.org.au for more information. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a high chance you have disposable income. Glenn has a mandate to get everyone giving, saving and spending in that order. Now, we want to encourage you to be generous with your money, but choosing an effective charity can be difficult. An amazing resource you can use is thelifeyoucansave.org.au. 
you can donate to them and they'll distribute your donation to a variety of life-saving and life-changing charities around the world with a focus on eliminating extreme poverty. For more information, visit thelifeyoucansave.org.au. Thanks to Jess Knaus, executive producer, Laura from La La Social Club, and me, Asha. Uh, anyway, make sure you stay connected via our Instagram, our free Facebook group. For further information about what's going on, check out the links in the show notes. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.